0: Well, I um, am coming to you fresh off of what is called our annual synod, our annual synod. So a synod is the annual business meeting of our diocese. Most dioceses in the ACNA have a synod. They might call it something different, but it's, it's it's a big gathering of all the clergy. We all go to Loganville, Georgia. And uh, we get to see each other, um, and we get to have a very fun-filled business meeting where we approve budgets and elect officers and all that great stuff. Um, And so uh, this is relevant to you because like many of my clergy, fellow clergy at the Synod, uh, none of us had people to other clergy to ask fill in for us because we all had to be there at Synod. So we were all like, oh, well, I got to get home and write my sermon for for Sunday. Uh, So... Uh, this is hot off the press, in other words. So it's, 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 it's relevant for that reason, but it's also relevant for another reason, uh, because I was very aware of the passage that I would be preaching on, and I spent uh, all weekend calling other men fathers. And I'm w- well aware that the sermon that I wasn't able to prepare for before this morning was on that passage. And so... Uh, So we're going to walk through this passage together, um, and uh, what I want us to think about is um, when Jesus is talking through these things, what I want us to think about is our source. Think about our source. Who is our source? The title of the sermon is called Source Over Self, and I think Jesus is having and is pointing us to our source, who is the Father in heaven. So we start off our passage this evening looking at uh, the gospel passage in Matthew that we just read. It starts this way, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works that they do. Well, here at this point in Matthew's gospel, we uh, are nearing the end of Jesus's earthly life, which is fitting because we're nearing the end of the church calendar as well. We only have a few more weeks until Advent starts, and the gospel readings for the next few weeks become more and more grim, talking about judgment and talking about the end of all things. And here, Jesus has some very significant and harsh things to say about the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees and the scribes. And so he's been calling them on the carpet. And after the section, after our gospel reading, um, he gets very specific and, um, and preaches woes or warnings against the Pharisees and the scribes. He starts off by telling his disciples and those in the crowd To listen to the scribes and Pharisees, why? Because they sit on Moses' seat. What is Moses' seat, and what does that mean? Well, we know that the synagogue is not the center of religious life in Israel. That belongs to the temple. The synagogue were the smaller gathering places where you would go on Sabbath, and you would hear the Torah, the law of God, read publicly And the scribe or the Pharisee would sit in a seat, literally a chair, called the bima, or Moses' seat. And from there would explain the scriptures that were just read. It was a very high calling, and it required a lot of knowledge about the Torah. And that's what they were dedicated to, the scribes and Pharisees. So Jesus is saying that, listen to them. Because they are seated in Moses' seat. Now, this should make us think about the Exodus event. This is recalling back to the book of Exodus. God had called Moses out uh, to, to lead his people out of Egypt, through, out of bondage, through the Red Sea and the parting of the sea, and they find themselves in the wilderness at Mount Sinai. And if you remember, that story what happens is that god gives his law to moses from mount sinai so we have a flow we have a movement we have god doing all of the taking all of the initiative calling moses to be a leader for the sake of the family of god his children the people of israel so god moses the people of israel But the source, of course, is God. So the scribes and the Pharisees, now that Moses is dead, they have the responsibility to expound on the scriptures. But there was a problem. It's not exactly what they were doing. They were to faithfully explain the scriptures. So now that, that changes from God, Moses, to the people, to, from, to Moses, the teachings of Moses in the Torah, to the scribes and the Pharisees for the people. But it's still, it's still a flow, and God is its source. So the point was to teach, but not teach only, but to teach and model the character of God. And that's where things didn't go well. There's hypocrisy in the seat of Moses. The scribes and Pharisees were not conforming their lives to the source. They weren't conforming their lives to their source. Our Old Testament passage comes from the book of Micah, chapter 3, And verses 9 through 11 are there. If you want to follow along in your bulletin, that's great, but I'll read it. Verse 9, this is God speaking through Micah. He says, Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice. I want you to hear when it says justice, I want you to also hear the word righteousness, who detest justice and righteousness and make crooked all that is straight who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Its heads give judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. They lean, yet they lean on the Lord and say, is not the Lord in our midst? What's going on here? It's a forgetting of the source. And an exaltation of the self, a forgetting of the source, who is God, and the exaltation of the leaders of Israel. So there's something sinister going on, bribes. This is the way it's described back in Micah, and I think this is what's happening to some extent in Jesus's day. How do we know that? Well, because they're not conforming to the righteousness of God. Instead, they're seeking vanity. Back to the gospel text. They're seeking vanity. They're exalting the self. Verse 5 says, They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. They're seeking vanity. What is vanity? Well, vanity values the self over our source. Vanity values self over source. So we have this list. We have this list of things that the scribes and the Pharisees are doing. He talks about the phylacteries and the fringes. What in the world are they talking about there? Well, I had to kind of look this up. The flactories are actually, and if you remember, this also takes us back to Moses. What God had commanded the Israelites to do with the Ten Commandments he says, attach them to your foreheads. He says, make these so much a part of who you are, put them on your doorposts in your home. Make these commandments present wherever you are, so that they're always in front of you. Why? Because they reflect the character of God. Why is that important? Well, as we conform our lives to our source, we become a witness to his character and to who he is, to all the nations around. And this is the way Israel was to bless the nations by imitating the source. So the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, was so important, God said, put it on, put it, put it on your forehead. So what the phylacteries were, were these little wooden boxes. And they would uh, write on little tiny scrolls, they would write the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. And they'd put it in these little boxes. Some of them would strap them around their head, and they'd literally wear a box on their forehead of keeping God's law always before them. Some of them would wrap around uh, the arms. And what Jesus is saying is they've completely missed the point of having the decalogue attached to them. And now are concerned about the size of the, uh, of the phylacteries themselves. The fringes were something similar. There were, uh, to be a minder, there were tassels tied to the four corners uh, of garments. And you were to wear these to remember the, the commandments of the Lord. But they forget the point, They become flashier, they become longer, they become bigger. Why? Because we want people to see, we want to exalt our own selves rather than, than, than to keep in mind what those things symbolize. And Jesus says, you're not to do that. You're not to do that. Do what they're telling you because they sit in the law of Moses. They know these things they're teaching them, but they're not doing them. They're not doing them. Instead, they find their identities in something other than their source. They find their identities in something other than their source. And they want to be recognized by those identities. And friends, we have to be careful with this. Because we're tempted all the time to find our identities in things other than our source. Been going through some old notebooks and some old things and trying to clear out a bunch of stuff out of my attic. And I keep running across all these old journals and things of writing, and it just is amazing to me like how hard of a struggle it's been my entire life to find my identity in some kind of work or labor. I would always, whatever job it was, that would become my identity. And it was it would kill me. Because My identity is not in those things. My identity is in Christ. And this is a constant reminder, a constant lesson. And we have to be really careful because we live in a culture that exalts the self above all things. Ourselves, who we are, what we find inside and in our our hearts, that's who has the most authority in our culture now. And we can be very susceptible to this. What we can find is trying to be calm and conform to the most authentic versions of ourselves. And we have to be careful with that. We have to be careful with that because we are to reflect not a a particular personality type, but we have to reflect our source, who is God. So, Instead of exalting the self, we are called to exalt our source. And that's by reaching and seeking righteousness, when, even when it's not in conformity with our personalities. Here's how I've been, I've been thinking about this. I, we often talk about, uh, say, I'm an introvert or an, I'm an extrovert. Uh, now, this comes as a surprise, surprise to some people, but I'm very introverted. Um. I, I kind of joke, you, you can't be married to Janie Williams for 18 years and not learn how to be somewhat extroverted. Um, so she's been very, very good for me in this sense. But I can look back in my life and say, I can excuse myself from so many things by saying, well, I'm just introverted. And you could say the same thing if you're an extrovert, Right? We excuse ourselves, and if we're not careful, we'll excuse ourselves from conforming to the image of God. And that's what we're called to do. So we find our identity in our source, who is God. Scribes and Pharisees, they seemed faithful in what they taught, but not in their practice because they exalted themselves over their source. And the whole purpose of their office was to point others to the source. So instead of exalting ourselves, we are called to exalt our source. Look in verse 8, Jesus says, But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. I want to stop right there for just a second. There's a theological term called generation. And usually when we think of this word generation, we're thinking of Matthew's begets, right? Abraham had Isaac, had Jacob, had Esau. Uh, uh, yeah, and it just goes on and on, right? Um, that's, or, or Generation X versus the millennial generation versus boomers and et cetera, et cetera. Well, theologically, this, this term generation, it really means producing from a source. And so... This is really important when we encounter language about God as Father, especially in trinitarian language when we say that Jesus is God's son. Because Jesus is the son, the Father is uh, the Father generates the son. This is the language that we use. But it's not like I generate my children. It's different. I generate my children within, and you generate your children within space and time. God doesn't. And so we say that the Son, Jesus Christ, is eternally generated from the Father. There's never a time when there is not a Son, in other words. If you want to stay up all night, just think about that for a little while. But this is, what, this is why this language is important. And this is why Jesus says, you are all brothers, we can add sisters in there as well. You are all brothers and sisters. We're, why? Because we too have been generated by the Father. If we are found regenerate, if we are born again of the Spirit, we have been born of God. We are adopted into, we are His children. And the problem with the scribes and the Pharisees is that the Pharisees and scribes don't generate children. That's not their point. But they behaved and thought of themselves as being uh, producing children and, and standing in this, this place of, the, of a father. But they weren't. Their job was to faithfully point the children of God to the source, to God. And so this is the foundation, I think, of Jesus' teaching there. And when we move on, he uses the word father and called no man father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. So here we have Jesus talking about these rivals, a teacher or a master. That's what rabbi is, a teacher, or my master is what that that word translates to or a father, or an instructor. And so now this is where we come into, uh, uh, any time that we come into this, I always remember reading this as a, as a child wondering, is Jesus telling me not to call my dad my dad? Is Jesus saying that I shouldn't call my father my father? And it gets even more complicated because when you go to college, you're, you're taught by doctors. This is a title for teacher. This is what we're doing. We're using titles. So the question is, is Jesus set to forbidding us using titles or is he talking about something else? He's talking about something else. He's talking about where our source is and where we regard our source coming from. And he does this using hyperbole. So hyperbole is an exaggeration. It's a rhetorical device. that exaggerates something to prove a point or to make a point. Jesus does this frequently. Listen to this. This, is, this comes from a few chapters previous in Matthew chapter 18. Jesus says, Woe to the world for temptations to sin. For it's necessary that temptations come, but woe to those, the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell of fire. Jesus says something similar in the Sermon on the Mount. Is he really telling us to gouge out our eyes? I think the deterrent is don't sin. This is hyperbole. This is hyperbole. This is an exaggeration to prove a point. And we know this because Paul uses this language frequently, the language of being a father to others. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. Then he says this, I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere and in every church. I have several other examples of Paul using this language and talking about uh, Onesimus and talking about, uh, talking about uh, Timothy as his beloved child, and it goes on and on. What what Paul is saying is he's using this language of in Christ. What Paul is saying is, my life is worthy of imitating, not because he is not the chief of sinners. He says that he's the chief of sinners. So are we to uh, imitate his sin? No, he says in Christ. So as Paul follows Christ, we can faithfully imitate him. Why? Because he's our father? No, because our source is our father. And we always need to be looking at that. And we need to be living lives as faithful witnesses of our source, of our Heavenly Father. We need to be living that way. Well, this is an extremely sobering passage for anyone who stands in a pulpit. And it's a sobering passage for anyone who is a pastor. And I'm constantly, this is one of the things about preaching is the second you preach a sermon, you realize that's going to be working on me for a long time. And woe to any of us who forget that our whole point is to point God's children back to their source, back to their father. That is my prayer. As long as God gives me breath to be able to do that and to do it faithfully, and to do it well. So, are you to call me, Father Ben? I don't think this is forbidding you from calling anyone your father, even your earthly father or a priest. But here's the deal. I don't care what you call me. (laughs) I don't care what you call me. I don't care what you call any other pastor or priest. So long as you know who your source is, so long as whoever stands in this pulpit or any other pulpit that you're in is constantly uh, pointing you back to the Father and not only doing that from the pulpit, but living a life reflecting that so that that person can stand and say, you can imitate me. And that's super sobering. It's super sobering. I'm not perfect. It's fearful to stand and preach God's word. So I ask you this, be gentle. But you can always, if you see something in my life or in anyone's life who calls themselves a pastor or a clergy or anything like that, if you see something that's inconsistent with the character of God as you understand it, You can say something. You can say something to me, and I hope that you will. You can say something to somebody because we don't need any more priests, and we don't need any more pastors falling from grace because they're not imitating the one who they're to point all of the congregation to because we're all brothers and sisters. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're all trying to find and imitate our source, Jesus Christ and his Father. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would give us grace. We pray that you would constantly lead us to your word, show us your character and make that clear to us that we might faithfully conform to that, the image of your son, conform to your character and who you are, that we might be perfect as you are perfect, as your son taught us. Lord, bring us pour out your spirit upon all the congregations and the clergy committed to your charge. Lord, that we might together discover and understand who you are so that we can witness and image that for the sake of the world around us. And we pray that you would prepare our hearts for that. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.